You now speak a whole new language. Do you know that? We have this entirely new lexicon that we speak, this language we use of words and phrases that we did not say two and a half months ago much or often. And frankly, I'm a little tired of hearing them in every single commercial, right? You know what I'm talking about? In these uncertain times, right? That's kind of the tone of it. When things get back to normal, the new normal, that's our new phrase, right? You're sitting in church three seats apart with mask on. That's a little bit of the new normal. In this together, hashtag together but apart in this unprecedented season. Some words need a little lower tone, right? This unprecedented. During this global pandemic, and the one that I've said, I know I've said it in messages, and, but it's the one I'm tired of hearing most is now more than ever. Like every commercial, you notice that? And then the virus even has its own language, doesn't it? Like that, how you talk about the virus says something about who you are. It's, for instance, people who say coronavirus is kind of normal, and then there are people who say COVID-19, <laughs> and then there are people who say the Rona, <laughs> right? <laughs> So we've kind of got this whole thing about how we talk and, and uh, it says something about your personality. But there's one word right at the beginning, two and a half or so months, that we began to hear that really bothered me. And it's a word that's taken on a whole new meaning. It's this word, essential. Maybe you're here and you got your phone or maybe you're home and you're sitting on your couch and you, you got your phone with you there. And you can even Google now essential and, it, and it's changed Google. Because now when you type in essential and it has that list of four, five, or six things, the most search comes up, it comes up essential workers, essential jobs. Don't worry, it still also pulls up essential oil. So we're good there. But it's even changed changed our search engines. It's changed the way we think about people. It's changed the way we think about our jobs. And maybe it's changed the way you think about yourself. Some of you in this room and some of you sitting at home two and a half months ago, all of a sudden you were just living a normal life and all of a sudden people started saying that you were essential. Maybe that made you feel great. There are others of us that are in this room and, you're, and those of you that are sitting at home and all of a sudden, people that you had no connection with started deeming you non-essential, as if you didn't matter. Now, if we look at the definition, you probably know it. If you just look up Webster's definition, it says absolutely necessary or extremely important. You knew that, because that's the way we feel. And... What an awful thing to say. You, you, hey you, you're absolutely necessary, but you, you're not that important. It's not lost on me that this series and this message comes on the heels of, of a pretty difficult week in our church. And if you're not part of our church family, I know we have people out of state, and maybe you're new to our church today. Um, I just need to take a minute to talk to our church family. 
we made a difficult decision this week to close Mountain Tots daycare and preschool. Difficult decision. But we did not handle it well. We did not lead it well. We did not communicate it well. And I need to repent to you for that, our church family. Because I'm the leader. And when things go wrong, it falls on me. It's my job to make sure we do things right. <clears throat> With leadership comes tough decisions. And this was a tough decision because it affects so many families. It affects teachers. It's also a decision that we th think is the best interest of our church in the future to live out our mission that Jesus gave us in the Great Commission to make disciples for Jesus Christ, to reach people for Jesus. But in the midst of tough decisions, Christian leadership demands more. Christian leadership demands that we do things with honor and transparency and compassion. And we failed in that regard. And I want you to know I'm sorry. And forgive me. Forgive our elders. Forgive Ben. Um, forgive us. We made our teachers feel devalued. And we reinforced this narrative that our culture's been talking about for two months. We made our teachers feel like they're non-essential by the way we communicated with them. And I just want you to know, if you're a teacher in our Mountain Tots program in this room or you're watching online, I just want you to know that you, you and your ministry to these children has been essential. You have made a difference in the lives of these children that will last their whole lives. And just because this chapter is closing in our church doesn't mean that what you have done has made an essential impact on their lives. And our parents and teachers deserve better from us. As a church, um, we did not lead in a way that brought you honor. And to the teachers specifically, um, we, just, we just wanna apologize. Sometimes, even churches can make people feel non-essential. Maybe you're new to, new to this church, but there's been some other church that made you feel marginalized. And maybe this is the first time I've done something that made you feel this way, but maybe it's not the first time Mountaintop has made you feel this way. And maybe that's why it hurts so much. Our church continues to heal. But brothers and sisters, we're going to heal. We're going to heal. You did not get a pastor who doesn't make mistakes. You did get a pastor who knows when he makes them and confesses when he makes them and seeks to learn from them. Okay? And it's, it's my vow to you to lead us better and to be better and for our church to be better. And I just want to take a moment in here in this room and at home to just say thank you especially to our Mountain Tots teachers for years, some even as much as a decade of pouring into our children. And though this chapter's closing, we're so grateful for the impact you made on families 
And if you're at home, if you would just type into your comments there, thank you, Mountain Tots teachers. And here, could we just give all of our Mountain Tots teachers a round of applause? You know, weren't you glad you weren't in charge of trying to figure out who was supposed to stay home and who was supposed to go to work when we were trying to figure out? I mean, if we're honest, we do know that our government leaders had a tough gig to try to figure out what they were going to do. And we've figured out that some people can work at home, that you can work at home. And we have also figured out the, the jobs that we can't live without and everyday life. We need people running the grocery stores, right? We need our doctors and nurses and first responders. And we need people who keep the internet running. Like they need to work hard, right? Hey, children and teenagers, have you figured out that maybe we need our teachers now, right? That mom and dad are not called to teach. Uh, <laughs> anybody else figure that out? Moms and dads? And hey, children, Maybe after having a Lunchable for three straight days, you need the cafeteria lady too. <laughs> Amen? We need. Uh, I wish we could have picked a different word, a better word, to how we were going to sort out who needed and had to stay at home in quarantine to try to keep our whole world safe. Because I do think the word that we chose has caused some damage. This, this week in Birmingham, we saw this sticker on a truck essential there's a lot of sarcasm in that I think I saw another truck that also had a sticker with essential and other words that we can't say in church because that word is doing something to our souls it's affecting us it's 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 a lie and this is the lie the crisis said you are essential because of what you make if you make ventilators, you're essential. If you make N95 mask, you're essential. If you make pizza, you're essential. If you make toilet paper, you're essential. If you make deliveries for Amazon, you're essential because we've all spent way more money on Amazon than we should have the last two and a half months, right? But if but maybe your job, you didn't make what deemed you essential. And Otherwise, you're not essential. The truth is, it's not a new thing, right? We have always been dividing our culture between the haves and the have-nots, between this crowd and that crowd, between your crowd and my crowd, between Republicans and between Democrats, between the popular kids and the outcasts. The truth is, none of us really graduated from middle school. We just took the fight to social media instead of the hallways of the lunchroom. Isn't that true? Like, it's not, like, this isn't a new thing of these people and that people. This is something that we have struggled with and has made us feel non-essential for years. We have always wanted to devalue that group or that people because they think differently than us, or maybe we felt devalued because what someone thinks about us. But the Psalms say something completely different about our value. Psalm 139, if you got your Bibles at home, that's what we're going to be looking at. If they're sitting there, if you're here and you got them. But the words are going to be right here I want to walk you through. 
This psalm is such an intimate, personal prayer from the psalmist to the Lord. And listen to what he writes. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and you know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before me. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. You know me. You know everything about me. And I want you to know something. No matter how non-essential you have felt in the last week or the last two months, I want you to know something. He knows you and he sees you. And you may not feel non-essential. Your, your feeling of inadequacy and non-essentialness might have nothing to do with the pandemic. It might be because the words of an ex continue to ring in your ears. Or it might be something that your parent said to you. It might be something a teacher or coach said to you. It might be something a former boss said to you. It might be something an employee said to you. It might be someone who used to be your friend said to you. But I just want you to know, he knows you. You are known and you are seen. Isn't that good news? You are not invisible. Isn't that bad news? That you're not invisible. He knows every thought and every action and every motive. But he still loves you. He knows everything about us and still loves us anyway. The psalmist goes on to explain how much. This is what he says. Where can I go from your spirit? Like if I mess up bad enough, can I get far enough away? If I, can I, where can I flee from your presence when I'm ashamed, when I'm hurt? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day for the darkness is as light as you. No matter where I go, no matter how destitute it seems, you are there. In sickness, Lord, you are there. In a pandemic, you are there. In quarantine, you are there. In economic trouble, you are there. In the uncertainty of tomorrow, you are there. At home, sitting on your couch, you are there. And in a church facility with a mask on and three seats between every family, you are there would you just say it would you just shout it and if you're at home would you just type it Lord you are there and you can't run from him you can't run from him no matter how far like you think you think I'm far I'm too far gone I'm too far gone I'm too far gone no no you're not you can't flee from his presence that's how much he loves you he won't let you get so far away from him that he's not there and more importantly in this season wherever you're at emotionally angry, frustrated, hurt, 
anxious, confused, lonely. He's there. He's, he's there. He's before you, beside you, around you, sitting at your home, within you, and sitting right here, within you. And then the writer gets to the apex of the whole passage. The realization that this God who has made everything and is everywhere made him. Listen to this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You can see it in creation. And yet my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes, the eyes of Almighty God, saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts to think that I was one. God, how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I'm amazed, I'm amazed that I am still with you. I want you to do something. I want you to do something. <clears throat> I want you to close your eyes at home or right here, just close your eyes, okay? And I want you to invent something in your head right now. I want you to have a thought in your brain that is a new invention, a new machine, a new car, a new life hack, a, a brand new animal, a create a new dinosaur. Kids, create a new dinosaur in your brain. Uh, cre create a, a book title that you've been wanting to write. Just invent something right now off the fly. Okay, did you do it? Okay, open your eyes. Did you invent something? If you want to type it in the chat, share it with our friends at home. If you want to type it in the chat, you can share it with the friends at home, uh, with the friends that are here and everybody. Just type out something crazy that you just invented in your mind. You might want to get a patent on it. It might be a good idea. I invented uh, in my mind something to get your umbrella into your car without getting wet. Wouldn't that be great? Now, I got one of those upside down ones. It's better, but it still doesn't quite do the trick. So that, that's what I'm working on. So here's what I want you to understand. There was a day, thousands or millions of years ago, that you were a thought in the mind of God. You were an idea in the mind of God. He invented you. He, he created you. The God who made the heavens and the earth. The God who made this the universe and calls the stars by names, the God who made the Gulf of Mexico and the Appalachian Mountains that turn into the Red Mountains of Birmingham, that God, millions upon millions and millions of years ago was sitting on his stool, which was probably cooler looking than mine, and had a thought, and he could have thought of anything, he could have made anyone, and he made you. He saw your unformed body in the depths of the earth. He saw you 
in the soil that would produce the vegetables that your great-grandparents would eat. He saw you in the oxygen molecules that would fill the lungs of your mother and father when they were children. He saw you. He created you. He knit you together, and he could have made anyone, but he made you. This crisis is telling you a lie. This crisis said you are essential because of what you make, but you are not essential because of your job or your talents or your skills or whatever the world says. The Psalms say a different story, that you are essential because of who made you. The Psalms say that you are essential because of who made you and you are made by the God of the universe who wanted you so bad of all the bajillion things he could have made, he made you. So be who he made you. Be who he made you. Now, listen, this isn't like, well, I just gotta do me. Or I just gotta be me. No, 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 no. Be who he made you to be in accordance with his plans, his will, his purpose, his word, and his wonderfully made design. Be that. That you is essential because you're the only you God made. Teenagers, grown-ups, don't be who Instagram says you should be. Ben Cathy, our executive pastor, used to say this to me. Um, this is a great word, and I, it was when Facebook just first came out, but now it's all social media. You know, it's a billboard, not a diary. Don't, don't, don't be who the billboard says you're supposed to be. Be you. Don't be who your political party says you have to be. Teenagers, don't be who your friends say you have to be. Don't be who society says you have to be. Guys, don't be who critics say you have to be. Children and teenagers, listen to me. This is really hard as a dad. Don't be who your parents say you should be. Be who God created you to be. Your face looks exactly the way God wants it to look. You're the best you he ever made. Your skin, color, it's imperfections that maybe you're not crazy about. It looks exactly like he wants it to look. Your talents are exactly the talents he needs you to use. Your compassion, your heart is exactly what he wants you to draw from. Your personality is exactly what he wants to offer the world. And here's the most important thing. He sent his son to die for you. Not the you the world wants you to be. He sent his son to die for you, who he made you to be. You were made in his image. And when sin in your life distorted that image, he remade you through the cross is mercy and grace. And he's got a seat in heaven only for you and a purpose on earth that only you can do. You get that? In my father's house, there's a place for me. Jenna saying, I'm a child of God. In the father's house, there's reserved seating 
with little name cards on every seat. And he's got one reserved for you, just you. So be you. When Jesus prayed, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer included you in fulfilling your purpose in God's will on earth. When Jesus prayed that prayer, he was praying for you and me to do what only we can do and to be who only we can be. You were essential the day God thought of you. And no pandemic and no lockdown and no designation can ever change that. You are essential because of who made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And when the whole world seems like it's against you or when you feel like you are up against the odds or nothing's going right or you feel like you don't measure up and you're not the parent that you should be and you're not the, the, the husband or wife that you should be or you're not the boss that you should be or you're not the leader that you should be or you're not the friend that you should be, I just want you to know that it has nothing to do with what you make or how good you are or how successful you are. When you think you are in this alone, I want you to know something. The God who made heaven and earth and who knit you together in your mother's womb and who wove you together in the depths of the church is with you and for you because you are essential and he needs you to be you and don't let any stupid definition of who is essential or non-essential convince you other size you are essential because of who made you so walk in the blessing the blessing of being in the freedom of being exactly who God made you to be this week the uh, the greater church lost a saint Ravi Zacharias. I don't know if you know Ravi. He's a great Christian speaker and uh, incredible um, theologian and academic. But one of Ravi's greatest ministries was on college campuses where he would go speak to students who were in that age group, you know, early 20s, beginning to ask some of those existential questions. Who am I? And who am I supposed to be? How many of you are still trying to answer that question, right? A lot of us are still answering that well into our 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s. And no one could answer our, that question about identity quite like Ravi. I sometimes think about the cross and shut my eyes and try to see the cruel nails, the crown of thorns, and Jesus crucified for me. But even could I see him die, I would but see a little part of that great love which like a fire is always burning in his heart. You are valuable to God. You are unique and a composite fashioned in the image of God for a particular purpose. What it means to be human is to be created in the image of God. What it means to find your destiny is to find your creator who has created you and why he has made you for a purpose. So in general terms, the Imago Dei, in particular terms, it's not who you are alone that defines you, but whose you are. That is my prayer. It's not who you are that defines you. 
It's not your family name, it's not your job, it's not your accolades, it's not your achievements or the ways that you think you don't measure up. It's not who you are that defines you. It is whose you are. And whether you are at home or whether you're here for the first time in a long time, I want you to know that you are his. Fearfully and wonderfully made.